Hi, I'm KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerd Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with Dan Price, the creator, co-writer, and artist behind the comic series Bigfoot Knows Karate, here to promote the Hinagon one-shot along with chapters one and two, launching on Kickstarter September 20th. Welcome, Dan. KS, thank you so much for having me tonight. I really appreciate it. Well, no problem. Thank you for joining us today. But uh, outside my introduction, who is Dan Price in his own words? my goodness uh that is probably the toughest question i've been asked so far um you know i i'm a 47 year old nerd who loves making comic books and loves hanging out with his wife and kids i mean that's just that, that's me in a nutshell i uh it's pretty much what you see is what you get watch and wear fluff and fold and that's pretty much you know very very simple um you know i am a dreamer i guess i haven't stopped doing that i i don't think i ever will um and i'm probably the one of the most i probably have one of the strongest work ethics of anybody you know um like i there's a i will i'm a workaholic i will outwork you you know what i mean that's probably the best way to describe me in a nutshell but you know yeah that's it i don't know i don't have too much else on that one well you say you have a strong work ethic and you're a dreamer. So how long have you been making comics? Like, I guess like sure. doing comics and then being a professional in comics. Because it's like two different oh. things. Okay, so I did my very first, uh, well, to start it out, I mean, like I've been drawing since I was a kid. I, I started doing some work for a small indie publisher that was uh, back in 1993, 94. Uh, out in outside of Houston, it was right after Image, uh, the Image boom with you know the seven creators starting their own thing, and um, I went and did did you know I was learning, I was just learning, I was soaking it up with a sponge, doing erasures over here and you know doing you know filling in blacks over there on you know on the page and all of that stuff, just learning. And they um, they offered me my own book when I was a freshman in college, and unfortunately the the company folded. So I never get to do my book, and it took me until I was that was I was eighteen, and then it took me until I was like thirty to push out my very first comic. And um, you know, I had forgotten about it and came back to it. I was like, I need to do this. It was one of those things I needed to do it before before I died. I needed to make a comic book because I love the medium so much. And I did my very first one, Ben, and um, I worked in comics for about seven years doing indie indie books. Um, you know, doing my title, Latex Avenger, then I did another thing called Masters of the Obvious, and then uh, did some work for the Stan Lee Foundation on an indie comic called Excelsior, The Uphill Adventures of a Boy Named Stanley. Um, when that was all done, took a break. I had just gotten married, I had some kids, you know, my responsibilities had changed, you know, so I, I took some time off and was raising a family and doing that whole thing. I was during the pandemic that, um, you know, during the lockdown that my wife said to me, why don't you do a comic again? And that's where, you know, I've been taking all these ideas that I've been working on for 20, since 2018 for Bigfoot Knows Karate and started putting that into for actual into actual motion. Um, would hardly call myself professional in any way. I mean, I'm, but I am, uh, I mean, maybe like a really, really into it hobbyist is probably the best way I would put it because I have a full-time job, you know, I have, I'm a creative director for marketing and advertising group. And that is definitely a full, that's in, in itself is a full-time job. And the amount of hours I put into the comic, I guess you could say that a really strong part-time job. It's just, you know, you know, I mean, but you know, anything I make goes right back into the book. You know, I mean, it's all about Bigfoot and karate, getting more eyeballs on it, getting, you know, more talent involved with it. So that's, that's pretty much me in comics on, on the high level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Bigfoot Knows Karate, um, what is it about for, I guess, people who have never heard of it before, and what should readers expect from the first two chapters in the one-shot? I think what people expect from the book is they, they hear the title Bigfoot Knows Karate, and they immediately think that it's going to be, uh, you know, Kung Fu Panda or something like that, that it's going to be a funny book, and <laughs> it's it's not. I mean, it is. There's some funny, there's some funny jokes in the book. You know, we have a character, Kung Fu Thulu, that, uh, you know, he fights Bigfoot in the first issue. And so when you got a martial arts fighting Cthulhu and a martial arts fighting Bigfoot, you know, that's going to make for some jokes. But there's it's really very much an action-adventure psychological thriller. 
Godzilla versus Kong meets Kill Bill with a twist. That's how we like to think of it. And, um, you know, the Bigfoot, he's, he's a very introspective character. He's very high, uh, you know, he's, he's almost learned. He, he's experienced life. He, he, but, you know, if you were the only one of your kind and nobody knew you existed and nobody cared, what would that do to your psyche? You know, that's, that's a big thing for the story. And um, I really took a lot of time when I was conceiving the the idea about what would it like to be like to be a Bigfoot? Nobody sees you. Nobody knows you. This is this is all it is. And then, you know, so that's the kind of stuff that we're playing with in the first issue. While you do have to smash them up between Bigfoot versus Cthulhu, you also have um, you also have this really cool narrative that's going on, and you know, uh, a line that's going on as well. Um, and we play with that if nobody knew you concept in the first one. Well, what if you were nobody knew you before that, and now everybody, everyone surrounding you is an enemy? That we put Bigfoot into a different situation there. First issue one and issue two, it's just kind of issue one slides right into issue two, and we pick up the story from there. This is one larger arc, you know, a five issue arc that we're working on. Um, but you know, we wanted to be able to show people. A different side of the character and there's so much history with the bigfoot character hence why we're doing Hinagon, this one shot that's in feudal japan um so what can you expect from the book i don't think that people are expecting what they're going to get and i think that you know based on what people have read they're really happy with how it's turned out you know i mean we sold it like a smash them up like it was just going to be a big you know fist fight between bigfoot and cthulhu and really brought in so much more into the story. The plot the plot twist at the end that usually grabs people pretty hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was reading the copies that you gave me and, and looking at the art style and the first thing that caught my eye was, well, obviously is that, you know, this is not Kung Fu Panda. Like you said, people, that's what they think it is um, initially. Um, and it, it kind of reminded me at least... Uh, what's it called like set with samurai jack that old cartoon it, it reminded me of that um and i love the art style of it and you. i um you sent me i guess it would be the trailer for the kickstarter it's like in black and white um yeah. i really like their art style and i was like this would be really great because it looked like almost like an anime i was like are there any animes that are like in black and white i think that would be that would add on more intensity to it in a way, sure. which is really great. So yeah, I, I really liked it. It's it, something that I wasn't expecting at all, which is a great surprise. Hey, that's like the best thing I've heard all day. I mean, seriously, the, uh, you know, I bring a different sensibility to the art style. You know, well, first of all, let me just say this. Casey Allen is incredible. He's the co-writer on, on the main storyline and really took the helm on, on uh, the, Pentagon uh, one shot. Um, he's he's everything for this book. He's incredible, and I'm so grateful for him. Uh, Adam uh, Adam's an interesting story because Adam came to us from as uh, from as from a fan art perspective. We've received over 150 plus pieces of fan art for this for this project so far, and I'm blown away by that. I mean, that's when people take the time to do you know out of their lives to draw your character. Are you kidding me? That's amazing and humbling. It's more than I would ever have expected to ever happen, you know, and Adam came to us from a piece of fan art and um, he, uh, and he mailed the artwork to my house and it was like, what? That's crazy. And I said to him, uh, I gave him my address. It's not like he stalked me on the web or something like that. And uh, he, he said to me, uh, he said to me, I love what you're doing. You know, I love this big film idea, you know, I mean, anything I can do to help out, I said to him, "Well, why don't you? Uh, why don't I pay you for the, for that artwork? We'll put it on our deluxe edition cover. The art's hanging right over there on my wall. If I lean back to show you, but um, and he's just done. Uh, he did the cover of the deluxe edition of book one. He did the del- cover. It was a wraparound cover for book two, and now he's doing his very first interior artwork on a comic book. And so to be able to work with somebody who's never done this before and you know guide them along the way and watch them you know tear it up on their own accord it's it's incredible we just bring different sensibilities to the book you know i mean i am very color dependent adam's work does not need it you know the detail work that he brings to it is 
incredible. My my works a lot more grungy and fluid. It's you know has a lot more fluidity to it. So um, I think that you know giving Adam this opportunity to shine in the in you know as natural habitat of black and white I think is incredible, and I think it's going to bring something different to the story. Um, it's neat to do. It's neat that we didn't do a carbon clone of my work, you know, for the, you know, for the artist who was going to take on, you know, this, this book. I'm glad it's somebody who's so, the artwork style is so different from one from the other. And that, you know, but we've been working with them on the cover. So it, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's a really cool thing to see it all come together. Uh-huh. So um, you spoke of how you chose Adam uh, Caswell, but how did you, I guess, so not I wouldn't say subtle. Um, how did you come about selecting um and working with Casey Allen as well? Was there like a whole process of collaborators that you wanted to work with or that you were searching for, or did he kind of just fall into your lap like Adam did? Okay, so um Adam like fell into our lap. Mm -hmm. Okay, Casey and I, that was um that was years of knowing each other from a group called the Comic Jam. The Comic Jam is an online comic book workshop where writers and artists come together to do uh, to do one-page comics, no more than six panels. The uh, the writers and artists vote, uh, you know, nominate some categories. They vote on the category. Whatever that theme is, is what the writer has to write uh, for that week. That are, those are randomly distributed to artists. And so, um, and so I went on and drew like three or four pieces for the jam. And Casey runs the jam, and we actually ended up getting paired together for a Steve Ditko tribute right after Steve Ditko passed away. Let me tell you, that guy wrote the most amazing, touching script uh, about Steve Ditko. And I had the best time drawing it, and we just hit it off. We just hit it off. I mean, it, we, it was just DMing with each other on Instagram. Now we talk like three or four times a week on the phone. You know, he has that time where I'm between when I get off of work and he's walking his dogs that we, we do a lot of writing <laughs> over the over the telephone. And um, so when I OK, so this was around 2018, I guess, when I met Casey um, online and um, I had maybe before that, 2016, something like that. But I'd been working on the Bigfoot Nose Karate sketches. Like originally in like 2014, it was supposed to be a indie. It was supposed to be a comedy. Didn't work. It was terrible. It was just a terrible comic. And uh, so I shelved that, and I came back to it in 2017, 2018. Casey's watching me on Instagram, going, "What are you going to do with this Bigfoot Nose Karate thing?" Because then people are reacting to it. What do you think? And I said, "I've got an idea. It's not ready. I need to make it a little bit longer." And, you know, because I just didn't want to do this bright martial arts movie revenge story that we've seen so many times in the genre. I wanted it to be something different. You know, I mean, there's a lot of Lost in the book, a lot of X-Files in the book, a lot of things you just wouldn't expect coming from a book about a Bigfoot that's karate. And I, I needed some time to work the idea out. So I, in case you offered to come on as editor he's like send me what you got so i just dropped this bible of crap on his uh lap basically and go here you go this is what i got and so we started parsing through it and putting it together i mean this is for a five issue story and we started pacing out the book together and you know and it just became so natural working together that i said do you want to co-write and he was like he was taken aback by that at first i think because you know Writers don't often think about co-writing together in comics, but for me personally, like I work in like marketing and advertising, so I'm used to working in a team environment. So it does not hurt my sensibilities one bit whatsoever to, you know, write with someone. In fact, I I'm eager to do it because Casey comes from a background of, you know, where you know of writing different types of things. I've written comedy comics. I mean, it's all fart jokes. You know what I mean? Like that's what I did in the past. And I wanted to do something big and cinematic. And, you know, I mean, it wasn't a fun James movie. But I wanted to do something big and cinematic. And I wanted to do a larger arc. And I wanted it to be everything that what my previous work had not been. And to achieve that, 
the best move I could do was enlist somebody like Casey. Uh, and like, we've just become such great friends in the process. I've known him five years now, at least, and I've never met him once. He lives in Alabama, I live in Austin, Texas, and we just, but he's one of my good friends. I mean, I can easily say that he's one of my good friends. So really lucky to have him. Adam, same thing with Adam. I mean, it's just, it's just been incredible. And then, you know, all the cover artists we've gotten to work with and, you know, people have done contributions in the back of the book and damn, it's pretty good. You know, you gotta, you, you, I'm just really happy with how it's coming together. Yeah. You, I mean, you guys have definitely achieved that, that cinematic uh, tone that you wanted because um, it, it looks like, I mean, I, it's not uh, like an animation, but as I said before, it could be like an anime if like, if you really wanted it to be just from the, cause it looks like almost like a storyboard. Cause, okay. So I went to school for graphic design. You have to do thumbnails, right? So that even though the trailer is pretty much thumbnails or like a storyboard, or whatever how it's edited together kind of looks like an anime almost like it's almost like it's animated in a way so what just from the images alone from what adam has done and what you have done um gives it that cinematic feel and then when you add in the uh text what i liked about it is that it's not like crammed in there in a way, which a, which a lot of people tend to do in their comics, um, they don't let the work or the scenery kind of work alongside with the text. But mm -hmm. you guys make that work in this, even with everything that's going on in the background, which I like too. So it's like, and because I work, cause I'm like I'm rambling, but I kind of oh, like work, I like work in film and. As a writer myself, you know, I'm kind of like in the same boat with Casey. I don't really like collaborating with other people. Um, I can be a team play team player. I just kind of don't like being a part of a group. Yeah. Um, but I was co co-writing a script, and um, as I was writing it, the other writer was like, you know, I I I guess I put too much in it. I'm not. Um, allowing the scene to work if work with, with work with what I'm writing. So it's like I can write this stuff, but you kind of have to let the scene speak for itself as well. Almost like kind of like a western. Almost it's like you have the stage directions, you have the script, but you kind of have to let the scene work for itself in a way. Like let it yeah. speak for itself. So that's why I, I, I liked about different was karate. It's kind of like, yes, we have a little bit of script here and some dialogue or whatnot, um, a little bit of description, but the scene kind of like works for itself. So do you understand what I'm saying? I, I know I'm rambling. I got you completely. <laughs> no, you know, I got you completely. Look, I look at, you know, I look at comic books as like the most perfect storyboard for an animation. You know, I mean, that's how I, it's, it, it's a medium that allows you to do what you want to do on no budget. You know what I mean? You want big explosions like a journey, like a, a Michael Bay movie or something like that. You can do that. You want crazy, you know, noir like lighting and camera angles like you'd get, you know, in, you know, an old noir movie or Halford Hitchcock. You can do that. You can do anything you want. And so, um, so that's the first thing on the storyboarding. Um, yeah, letting your page, letting your artwork shine, not let the artwork shine, the story shine through the artwork. You know, again, comics is a visual medium, you know, the, our job is to show, not tell. There's, there's moments in time in the comic where you have to draw some exposition, and I get that. But the more that you can let the, the page tell the story, and let the, um, I'll put it like this. Um, I love the show Seinfeld. I've loved it since I was, you know, a long time. And it's what I love about it is, especially after, you know, middle of the show, they really get into a groove where they get in on a joke, they cut out, and they go on to the next scene. 
And I kind of look at the comics the same way. Get in, hit your beat, get the, the story across, flip the page onto the next thing, okay? Um, we really try to hit those beats in the comic. And, you know, those visual beats are really important, that your page flips are working properly and things like that. You know, um, a lot of stuff that when we're reading these things, they take for granted. We take it for granted. But, you know, just trying to allow the story to be told. I mean, I got a great compliment on issue one when somebody said to me, you know, you could have left the words out. and I would have gotten the story completely. I was like, that's like, you know, as an artist and, you know, and Casey, even as a writer, that's like some of the best compliments you can get because you know that you set the scene properly as a writer. You know, and that your artist was able to, you know, to execute what needed to be happen visually. That was a great feeling. Now, I don't think and that's not bagging on it, our dialogue. I think the dialogue came out, you know, really proud of both of the books. But um, really trying to tell, um, really trying to tell that story visually. That's so important. You know, Adam. You know, like I said, it's his first work. He's doing experimentation, doing things that I would never have thought of. With you know, because I think coming in, you know, completely green to the industry, you're not, uh, you're not trying to fit into a mold that you would normally, you know, that those of us who have, sorry, have been following it and trying to be a part of it for so long, you feel like you've got to fit in somewhere. He's extrapolating panels and coming up with different ways to show the information, you know, show the information, show the content off in a different way, and really show that story differently. Um, and so, and when that happens, you know, you gotta you gotta flow like water, like Bruce Lee said. You know, you gotta you gotta flow because um, when your artist brings something new to the table, you gotta be able to roll with that. You know, and I, as a writer myself, who's um, like I've been art only the artist on a book, I've been only the writer on a book, and I'm done where I work on both. I've co-written with people, that sort of thing. Um, so I'm really comfortable with just like flowing with it, you know, and, you know, we can, we can change the dialogue up to ma match the page and we can, you know, or hell, we come up with some better dialogue after it's already been drawn. Let's just change it up. Let's just do what's going to flow best for the artwork and the story and make it, make the whole thing work properly. I just feel like there's no room to be rigid in this, in this working in this medium at all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> but with all the influences that may have inspired Bigfoot Knows Karate, um, how do you maintain that this theory, this series, is still your own? Well, um, you mentioned uh, Samurai Jack earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a comment I hear a lot at conventions. I hear on shows. Uh, I'm not a Samurai Jack fan, so it's not that I don't like it. It's that I have no exposure to it seen it once like 20 years ago when my kid when my nephew was like a little kid i watched like 15 minutes of it it was beautiful it's not something that has influenced me you know my influences like i'll take frank miller as an example you know the um the you know the giant you know menacing figure you know you know in marv it would be my bigfoot you know the inner monologue that marv would have that's definitely in with my Bigfoot. You know what I mean? Um, the, you know, and I use Miller as the example because as far as I, I'm concerned, writer, artist, combo, you know, just a straight up creator, not the greatest writer. He's not the greatest artist, but that combination that he brings to the table for, you know, that really is amazing to me. Um, but I don't see, you know, I, I'm, I'm somebody who really likes taking couple of different things and smashing them together. I do, you know, I like coming up with crazy characters, um, you know, previous projects. I mean, I had a character named Dr. Biclops. He had two eyes. That was his whole powers. He had two eyes. I love weird things. I love, you know, I love strange ideas. I mean, uh, the visible woman, you can't miss her. That's her whole power. She's visible. Um, you know, so, um, so the thing about it is, is that I don't know from a comic book standpoint or even movie or film. I don't want to play video games, but like uh, movies, TV, I don't know where I was influenced by uh, from a from a character perspective by anything else other than just trying to come up with something different and unique. But, you know, 
I mentioned, you know, Godzilla versus Kong and Kill Bill, um, you know, Lost and, uh, you know, the storytelling style of Lost. I'm really, I can really appreciate that. The ending fell apart, but those first couple of seasons, they told that story so beautifully. They executed it so gorgeously. I'm giving you question after question and just trickling the answers to you to keep you watching. You know, that's me that I'm really, I'm really into as a writer. I think that's for Bigfoot knows karate, especially. Um, so it's more things like that that influenced me more than like, oh, this comic book here grabbed my attention. I want to take a piece of this and a piece of that. It's more cinema that, you know, and TV that, you know, influenced what the storyline was going to be rather than comic books. So, um, Go ahead. Well, well, sorry. What I was just going to say is it kind of sounds like how I'm inspired to write stuff is is exploration and like, where can we go with this? So like Bigfoot being this cryptid, you know, being the only one of its kind that's left, you know, and you're kind of exploring that almost like a hermit lifestyle. And um, then you add in the history in the culture of karate and martial arts, mixing that together, like how did he learn how to do this? And, you know, what does he do with it when he does maybe encounter other people or adversaries? It's kind of like a what if type of thing. Like you didn't go the comedy route or you kind of did with it and that didn't work. So you went more of the intense, serious route with it. So like, what does that look like when you explore this cryptid in a way that is not in the same way as everybody else. You know, like for me, when I write stuff, I'm kind of like, well, what what does that look like if I do it like this instead of like that in a way? Does that make sense? Sure. You know, I mean, it's a lot of, you know, when I, you know, they say writers should write what they know. Mm -hmm. I think that's good up to a point. But at some point, you got to write something you don't know to, to push yourself as a writer. And um, I looked at tropes in comics, okay, like the, you know, everybody, you know, there's certain things in comics that are just definite. And, uh, you know, in storylines that we've seen it written and rewritten and rehashed under different character names and different companies, and we've seen it, we've just seen it. Um, I've been told that there's nothing original anymore, like that's all been created, there's nothing new left. Yeah, I don't think they're trying hard enough. Mm -hmm. um, people have said, I just don't think they're trying hard enough. I mean, is there going to be tropes in this book that are similar to uh, to things that have happened? Yes. You know, yes, of course, there's going to be similar heroes. There's a hero's journey in here. You know, you can't, there are certain definitive things that have to happen in that journey uh, in order to get to an ending that makes sense and is satisfying. You know what I'm saying? And um, so, you know, really trying to bring in, you know, that, like I said, action adventure and psychological thriller. You know, I really want this story to be intense enough and that, you know, you're you're sitting on the edge of your seat as you're reading it, you know, but um, have enough pathos, you know, and for the character, you know what I mean, for the main character this character is so interesting and unique to me mm -hmm. you know um you know i mean yes he's the big strong silent type so you get that that trope in there you know what i'm saying but so introspective so uh so curious of the world you know so not trusting of the world and um you know there's a character that he comes across at the end of issue two that small connection happens that's all I'm going to say about it. Not in a romantic way. But, you know, when you just lock eyes on somebody, you know, this is, this person's going to be special to me in some way, shape, or form. That's what happened. And so if Bigfoot was an onion, I mean, we're just peeling the layers back, peeling those layers back, and really trying to get to the root of who this is. Whether we figure out when how he knows karate or not is in this first art beside the point. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much more. And we're going to get there. I, I was on a podcast recently with somebody who was just asking me, so how does he know karate? I'm like, yeah. And I went and danced around the question for a little bit and said, you know, you have to keep reading. And he goes, yeah, but I really want to know how he knows that karate. And I'm like, it was so funny to me. 
Um, you know, it's a snappy title, but there's just so much more happening. You know, it's, it's so, um, yeah, that's, that, there's just so much happening. Mm-hmm. Well, you did say it was five issue art, so you're just going to have to keep reading to find out how did he know karate, which is good. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah, so what advice could you offer to other creators that you wish someone would have told you when you first started? So, you know, it could be, you know, you were supposed to do your own book, you know, when you were 18 and it kind of fell through and then you had to, you know, you went on and lived your life and then you came back to it and then, you know, you had an idea, but it kind of didn't work out or, you know, um, you come from a very collaborative environment to working with people mm-hmm. who aren't really collaborators. So, or maybe, I don't know how many Kickstarters you've done before, like, you know, any advice on Kickstarters, just any advice that like, hey, I wish someone would have told me this when I first started it. The first thing that I wish somebody had told me before I started it is do not letter your pages at 11 or 17. Do not letter your pages at 11 by 17. Your words will be this teeny when you go to letter, when you go to print your book. So whoever didn't tell me that, thank you very much. Um, that would be number one. Uh, number two, um, the the hard part about comics is not writing them or drawing them. It's marketing. Okay? If you want to make comics just for your own, your own enjoyment, awesome. And personally, I hate working in a vacuum. Okay, I want I do thrive on people's reactions to the book, whether it's good or bad or indifferent. Well, good or bad, I don't like indifferent. But whether it's good or bad, I want to know. I want to know. I want to know what's working, what isn't working. I mean, we're not spoon feeding you story. We're making you work for it. You know, and the readers who can get behind that, uh, I'm really I really appreciate them. You know, because we're not just giving you an origin and going from there. This is. You know, one of my favorite things about Wolverine for the longest time is you didn't know his origin. Once you knew his origin, it, to me, it just was the character lacks something after that. Um, writing your comic, you're going to write a long art. Pace that thing out into where it's going to be interesting. You know, um, if you, you know, I got an idea, you know, I've heard so many people, I got an idea for a comic to be 35 issues and you, gotta, you know, they go on about this whole universe and stuff. Make it interesting. You know, that's like, that's the biggest thing. You know, get people to read your story before you start drawing it. Uh, get some feedback on the story. You want to make, you know, especially for your first time. Um, you know, start something small. Go to the comic jam like I did, you know, when I was trying to get back into doing comics. I mean, it was it was brilliant way to start start back at it, which went for work for me from other titles. And then rolled into me doing Bigfoot. So, that's another thing. Um, I'll go back to lettering for a second, too. Again, um, lettering is so important and people don't realize it. Um, a good book, a good lettering, you'll never even notice it. It'll just flow with the book. Bad lettering will ruin your comic. Okay, so that's like, it's just a big thing. Um, be, do not be scared to put yourself out there. Do not be scared to uh, interact with your audience. Um, I do a lot of Instagram live draws, um, and that's been very helpful to me reaching an audience for the comic. Um, if you're doing a Kickstarter, uh, start planning that thing out eight months ahead. You know, know where you're going, know how you're going to get an audience from that, you know, to that property. Um, do a lot of podcasts. You know, I mean, we do we do tons of them. Uh, getting ready for a campaign. I've done this will be my third Kickstarter uh, starting tomorrow. And, um, you know, I mean, we do a lot of things like Instagram live launch parties to get, you know, to hopefully get people to, you know, watch the campaign go live and hang out. And like tomorrow, we're going to be giving away prize packs, you know, and we're going to be announcing the winner of our Draw This In Your Style contest. And we're going to have a lot of different creators come in and out of the live that night. uh, So we can get as many people possible to come out and check out the comic. So those are some pieces of advice that I would give out to somebody. And if you have any other questions, uh, yeah, email me, danprice139 at gmail.com. I'll answer your question. Happy to do so. Sweet. So outside of working 
on um, the series Bigfoot Knows Karate, how well do you find balance for your life? And how do you typically manage your mental well-being when you become stressed, frustrated, or overwhelmed? So um, repeat, repeat the first part for me real quick. Sure. So how well do you find balance for your life outside of working on uh, the series? So um, my work, my day job takes me, uh, it takes up a lot of time and it takes me out of, out of town a lot, sometimes out of country. Uh, to give you an example, I just got done doing two weeks in Europe for my job and then coming home, getting a day and a half at home and flying out to Baltimore Comic Con. So I was essentially gone for like three weeks. Um, how to, you know, balancing that with my family means when I come home, spend some time with family you know i mean that's like rule number that's what i want to do and that's what i need to do all at the same time you know i mean but we came into you know right now my family's being way patient with me because it's not only like i'm in production at i'm in production mode at work right now i have a campaign going this week a lot of podcasts you know so like but luckily i have a team of people with me you know in casey and adam and so they're handling podcasts as well so it allows me to have time with my wife on her birthday on Sunday, you know, and things like that. So really lucky to be surrounded by people I can count on for that type of thing. Um, the mental health thing. That's a really great question. Um, so I'm bipolar. Uh, I've been diagnosed bipolar since I was about 23. And uh, I'm 47 now. So I've been dealing with this for a good amount of time. Um, the Sometimes this gets overwhelming. You know, as a creator, it gets overwhelming. Um, life gets overwhelming. And, um, you know, so when stress hits me, it hits me differently than it does a lot of other people. I've, I, you know, other bipolars and other people who have, you know, have things like that. They, they, they can understand where I'm coming from. But, you know, the key for it for me is good sleep, health food, or at least eating. You know, I mean, just, you know, you can't burn through a whole day and not eat because you're so busy, you know, making sure that I eat breakfast, I eat lunch, I eat dinner. Um, sleeping well, that's like such a big part of this. I mean, those three things, good food, good sleep, low stress. If I can do those things, then I can pretty much handle anything, you know, mm -hmm. but, you know, you don't get to control your stress all the time. So, you know, write a list. Start scratching things out of your list. And once you see some results starting to happen there, your your stress levels will go down. Like I thoroughly believe that. Um, so take some time for yourself. You know, I mean, I get, you know, I mean, like I can just go play tug of war, tug of war with my dog, you know, on the rope for a while and, you know, get some energy out. She's happy. You know, the dog loves it, you know, and then, you know, you just feel a little bit more ready to go back to the table and start drawing again. Um, Find your joys where you can find them. You know, the the rule my wife and I have with uh, comics is that it's only fun. It's only, I can only do them as long as I'm having fun. And I remind myself of that constantly. I start to get a little down or I start to feel a little defeated or overly stressed. This is supposed to be a good time. You know, I'm not trying to make a living doing this. I'm, it's something that I love. And, you know, one day if we could get Bigfoot Nose Karate adapted into a comic, into an animation, you know, I'd be thrilled. That's that's the dream, right? Um, you know, but it, under the right circumstances, you know, I mean, I'm no AI, you know, no, uh, you know, I mean, let's don't forget the people who create these types of things and write these types of things and produce these types of things. You know, Hollywood strike right now sucks, but man, I know why they're standing up and doing the right thing for that. So I'm patient, you know, let them get everything sorted out they need, where they need to be because I'm I wouldn't cross a line. I can tell you that right now. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I love I love the idea of getting this to animation to a streaming platform or something like that. That would be incredible. That's, you know, um, but in the meantime, I'm just going to enjoy what we're doing because the, the road so far that we're traveling has been a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I've been learning how to deal with my stress too. Like, um, I, I kind of operate really well in chaos, especially when I'm writing. I don't like writing when it's quiet. I need, like, I was writing when I was gaming with my friends at the table at the same time, because it's like, there's a lot of downtime, because, like, my character is not interacting with them. 
So I'm just writing and I'm like writing more when I'm with them than I would at home because of the noise, because of the chaos. So, you know, I'm kind of embracing it instead of trying to, you know, stay away from it. And I've also learned that I take on a lot of stuff. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm an artist or maybe it's just the life, you know, living in a capitalist society that you feel like you have to be productive all the time. But I feel like I limit my day to three things. And after those three things, there's nothing else for me to do just to force myself to slow down. So yeah, that's how I'm kind of learning how to how to you know manage my stress or like when I become overwhelmed because I become overwhelmed a lot as well but I feel like as I said before um I guess that comes with the productivity in a way but when you have too much going on that's when you have all the stress and you're frustrated and all that stuff so like I said I just had to kind of force myself to slow down by doing those things for artists you know, I mean, you said it yourself, we're artists, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's something about the creative process that's so damn enjoyable, uh-huh. you know, that, you you know, I mean, and then people come to you, hey, I have this idea, you know, like recently I had somebody come up to me, they do animation, and they want to do a sizzle reel for Bigfoot, I haven't even told Casey about this yet, and it was like, and I was like, that's so cool, oh good, one more thing, you know what I mean, it was like one more thing to be involved in. And it's like, I have to stop myself a lot of the time from from taking on things because, you know, for me, chapter three of Bigfoot is like the most important thing. You know, we've got Hinnegan going on right now, but I'm working on chapter three. And um, then when I'm done with three, then it'll be four and then it'll be five. You know, those are, the, that's the most important thing for me. I have... Um, project that I've been that's been burning a hole in my pocket for years that I can't wait to get to but it has to keep it has to keep until this project is seen to the end and then I can go play with that those toys um I'm doing a cover for somebody right now I don't have time to do a cover you know what I mean but I'm doing the cover because a I like the creator and b it's going to be a lot of fun you know what I'm saying and um but I mean, if my if I was using my head, I would be like, I can't do that. But you know, you want to help. You want to look. The community, the indie comics community, has been so good to me. Um, you know, so good to Casey, so good to Bigfoot. You know, I mean, you want to give back. You want to help out. You want to do those types of things for people because look at all the kindness we've received. You know, whether it's the fan art or people just wanting to get involved you know what I'm saying it's 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 uh so trying to balance it all out like I wish I could draw I had time to draw 150 pieces of fan art from 150 different creators you know what I mean but I I don't and so it's like that bums me out you know you have to put your priorities in line and get your books out and that sort of thing because if I I know I'd hear it from somebody eventually hey where's when's the next book coming out damn it you know hurry up I need to, you know, hear that a lot already. And I'm working as fast as I can, guys. I swear to God. So, anyway. Yeah. yeah no. Ask me that, too. So I'm I, like... Yeah. <laughs> you do feel like you have to keep going. You have to, you know, in the society that we live in, you have to keep adding on new things and and constantly, you know, multitasking your way through all of it. I mean, because we're not just artists when we're making comics. We're... You know, we're also our market. We're our marketeers. We're sales. We're everything that goes along with it. The stuff that we want to do, and frankly, the stuff we don't want to do, it all rests on our shoulders. You know, and so I try and bring in people to help me out with that sort of thing, like Jeff Haas, who helps us schedule all the podcasts and that sort of thing, or helps with the with the press release and all that stuff. Like we need him. I can't do it all. Even you know, even though I've done work for a PR firm in the past, I don't have time to do it all. You know, so you gotta delegate out things, and you gotta find people to partner with, and you know, in order to make your dreams come true, and order to make their dreams come true too. I mean, it's uh, it goes back to that thing that you guys said at the beginning. Yeah, it's all because of the dream. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a dreamer. That's what I've always been, and you know, I'm gonna keep pushing forward. I'm can see myself at seventy still doing this. Oh my god, I'm crazy. Um, but you know, Anyway, yeah, uh, there you go. All right, so um, 
back to the Kickstarter. Um, is there anything that you wanted to touch on about the um, Kickstarter as a whole? Um, do you know of any of the rewards uh, for potential backers or anything like that? Because as we're recording this, it's not up, but it will be up tomorrow. But tomorrow, the yeah. is airing in the week. So, yeah. Well, a few days ago, we launched Kickstarter. And, <laughs> you know, you, uh, so no, but there's some great, there's some great tiers. Um, unfortunately, this will air after our early bird specials have already happened. But those, those tiers are also available in the regular tiers. Uh, we've got, we got a beautiful, uh, well, first of all, we're doing digital editions of the book for $4. So for Hennigan, four bucks. And so that's a great deal, no matter how you cut it. Um, um, we're really trying to make this a, as cost effective as, for people as possible. Uh, you know, we're doing a black and white book. There's no reason to charge uh, color pages. Money. You know what I mean? We're getting a we're getting a break. We're going to give a break to our people. So, um, four dollars for the digital, eight dollars for the for the print version of the book, um, and that covers done by Adam Caswell with art by Luis Tomas. Absolutely gorgeous pairing on that. Here, I've got the, I took this with me to Baltimore. So you can see the see that anyway. It's just beautiful yeah. work. So um, then um, we also have a deluxe edition of the comic um, that is our regular story uh, plus an art gallery that goes in the back plus a um, director's commentary uh, uh, QR code. Click on the QR code; it brings up a YouTube video where myself, Casey. Adam and a few other folks will talk about the book at length. And um, so you can hear all the reasons why we did what we did, where we're going, what we have plans for the future. Uh, we've done the director's commentary on the deluxe editions of one and two. Those were a big success. So we're excited to do that. For the deluxe edition, uh, the covers by a gentleman by the name of Andy Bloor out of London, or not London, out of, uh, out of England. Uh, really great artist. And then... Um, my good friend uh, Dennis Valencia has uh, done the artwork for a deluxe foil edition, and um, which is absolutely gorgeous. Valencia knocked it out of the park one more time with this piece. So really lucky to have all of those uh, those covers on the project, uh, and we brought something different to the table as well. Uh, we've been at, we've been asked for sketch covers for a while, so we finally got sketch covers. Uh, there'll be a um, to a blank two pack that you can get, or you can get a uh, get Adam to do a sketch cover for you. Get a commission for that, but that's limited to eight slots. So that's something to think about there. Um, but we do have uh, combo packages, catch up tiers where you can get issues one and two. Um, so a lot of different options there. I'm gonna grab a visual aid real quick uh, for the final tier, but um, something that I picked up a while back for conventions was something that, you know, I wanted something that could be interactive for people. They could get their photo taken with events sort of thing. So I had a Bigfoot Nose Karate Championship belt made uh, oh, cool. a while back. Yeah, it's pretty rad. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so we've got the championship belt here. And so for our last year in the campaign, you can get the belt. So not this copy. I'll get another one made for them. But uh, it'll be, I'll sign the belt for them. They get all the comics, you know, and all the goodies to go along with it. So that's another, that's our, our monster tier, the championship tier that we're doing this, uh, campaign. So, so, so we're really trying to do, you know, stuff for low price points, but also if you want to go crazy, we have a go crazy tier as well. So, yeah. Oh, and one more thing. We also have a lesser known comics. Uh, tier on uh, Big Fitness Karate is published by Lesser Known Comics, and so there is a there is a um, uh, like a starter pack, a Lesser Known starter pack. You get all the Bigfoot uh, Nose Karate books, chapter one, chapter two, and all the Hinnegan covers, as well as nine or ten different um, Lesser Known titles in there as well. So there is that one big pack as well that you can get your hands on. So some really cool stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, um, are there any other cons that you're attending this year? I know you said you just came back from Baltimore Comic Con, which I actually missed you guys at because I'm, oh. I'm from Baltimore. So, uh, oh. yeah, I was like, damn, if I had I had I gone, we could have did this interview a week early. But, um, yeah, I had actually met Mark for the first time in person there. He was I I saw him on Sunday 
even though I had been working the con, um, selling my own stuff, he was literally on the other side of me. But I never knew he was there until I had time to walk around on Sunday. So yeah, I'm sorry, I missed you guys. But are you doing any uh, more? I, was, um, I just had to cancel a con for the end of the month, unfortunately. Something, hey, I got some family things that I need to take care of that weekend. So my last con for the year will actually be December 2nd and 3rd. I'm doing uh, Horror for the Holidays, which is a uh, horror show here in Austin. I figured I'd give that a shot, um, and that'll be a lot of fun. And I'm just trying to get my 2024 schedule put together right now. Um, hopefully I'll be in Baltimore again. I'm trying to get over to CCUE2 and Emerald City this year, as well as Heroes Con. Those are the ones I've got in my eyesight. Oh, and Comic Palooza in Houston, I always do that one as well. But, um, so I, and a couple of indie shows that I'm looking at as well. So, and hopefully, I mean, I've got a few, I've got plans for a few of them, but, uh, I'm just wrapping up with work for the holidays this December. So hopefully get some store signings going, you know, that kind of thing while it's quiet in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. And where can people find you online? You already gave your email out, but um, you also said you did a lot on social media. So where can they find you? Yeah, um, the best place to get to me is bigfitnesskarate.com. It's got links to my Instagram, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, you know, but all my handle is all the same across the board. It's danomite139, D-A-N-O-M-Y-T-E-139. That's for Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Blue Sky, Reds, all that stuff. Um, Danomite139. But you can also find me at victimofskarate.com or definitely at lesserknowncomics.com. And there's a link on all of those sites and pages to go to the Hennigan, uh Kickstarter sign up or uh, uh, Kickstarter page. So please go check out the Kickstarter and one more thing, we are doing a live launch party. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. We, this already happens. So forget that part, guys. Uh, just come check out some campaign. <laughs> All right. Well, again, I want to thank Dan Price, the creator, co-writer, and artist behind the comic series Bigfoot Knows Karate for joining us here today to promote the Hinnagon one-shot along with uh, chapters one and two launching on, sub launching on Kickstarter September 20th. All of Dan's socials and website, as he just said, will be listed in this episode's details alongside the Kickstarter link for those who are interested. Again, I'm K.S. Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Numbered Podcast. Thank you. <laughs>